Welcome to this episode of the Outfront Podcast with host Vince Noble, the podcast that gives emerging leaders and career transitioning individuals the information and inspiration to thrive and become their best. For sponsorship and advertisement opportunities, please contact info at nobleresolutions.com. And now, your host, Vince Noble. I want to acknowledge each and every one of you who is stepping into your authentic power today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Outfront Podcast, the show that gives emerging leaders and career transitioning individuals the information and inspiration to thrive and become their best. I am your host, Vince Noble. Hey, I am super excited today. Uh, we have an amazing guest in this episode. She's absolutely incredible. Miss Danielle Mills, um, a retired pro tennis player, best-selling author, a CEO of Headstrong. It is a mindset and mentorship company. I truly love that. So today we'll be talking about the mindset of resilient leaders, uh, as well as her latest book, How to Master LinkedIn and Separate Yourself from the Masses, and so much more. Hey, we'll have a lot to uh, unpack in this episode, so let's go. Danielle, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Wow, wonderful. So Danielle, I know you are full of amazing stories and accomplishments starting from a very young age. However, for those who may not know you or all the, the things that you're doing today, tell us a little bit about yourself. What was your early childhood and influences like and what you're currently working on today? Yeah, so... My um, upbringing is a little bit different than most. Um, I was introduced to the game of tennis by both my parents at the age of three and began kind of a life where my entire focus and everything that was around me was focused on being a professional. Um, my parents got me involved in tennis. And by the time I was 10 years old, I had already moved to IMG Academies, which is a really world-renowned tennis academy to, to basically train to become a pro. I ended up turning pro at the age of 14, started traveling all over the world, a bunch of different countries all over the place, and had the opportunity to play professionally for about 10 years. Fast forward, my I ended up having to retire because of some, some knee issues. So when I got out of tennis, I was kind of unsure of what I wanted to do next, but I knew that I wanted to do something where I could help people. So I got out of tennis. I ended up creating my own business where I... I called Headstrong, where I essentially mentor people to achieve a champion's mindset and do a lot of the things that I was able to do from so many years of mental conditioning from when I was training. So that's kind of where I'm at now. And basically my whole, my, my sports background, my tennis background has really been the one key thing that has really pushed through and made me a success in business. Wow. That's, that's amazing, Danielle. So, you know, one of the things I often say, Danielle, is that 
there are many people that talk next level stuff. However, in truth, you know, they're not willing to do next level stuff. Um, they, you know, typically there's a huge gap between, um, you know, often between talking about it and actually being about it. And uh, we find that, you know, typically there's a shift, if you will, uh, to another level in thinking once you actually engage the doing part of that. So I, I have to ask, um, you know, sort of what 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 was that like, you know, growing up at the dinner table, those those dinner table conversations, what were they like leading up to specifically, you know, when your parents, you know, made the decision at a very young age, um, you know, to send their only child away uh, at such a young age to set the conditions for what they believed at the time would would ultimately increase your chances of playing, you know, professionally, professionally, uh, you know, at the next level in terms of your uh, tennis. Uh, so that that's a tremendous amount of commitment. What was that like for you at that time? Yeah, so I'm, I'm really lucky that the, my parents and my father specifically is such a sports advocate. He He's somebody that has put a lot of time and research into things. And he knew that if I was going to play at the highest level and have the opportunity or the chance to play at the highest level in the sport of tennis, that I was going to have to go to a sports academy. And there is no other sports academy that is more world-renowned other than Nick Bolletary Tennis Academy, which is now called IMG Academy. So at the time, I was only, I was nine turning 10 years old. And around the dinner table, there wasn't too many conversations about, you know, what this is going to look like. But the, the best thing is, as a 10-year-old, I truly trusted my parents and their guidance. And I knew that if they suggested that I do this, that it was ultimately going to be for my success because I had some some minor success in the in the region and in, in the state of New York doing well, but they knew because at that time I didn't know I was only ten. They knew that if I needed to play at the next level, it was going to have to it was going to have to come down to us moving to Bradenton, Florida, to make that commitment. And I'm so thankful that by way of their success with their own businesses, that they were able to make that sacrifice and really put that all into me. So now as an adult looking back, I mean, that was the one decision that changed my life. All right. That's incredible, incredible amount of commitment. Absolutely. So, so Danielle, you know, you know, this is a season um, for so many people um, and, and, and many are seeking clarity, inspiration and, and real actionable steps and tools to sort of help them, if you will, navigate mentally during these extraordinary times. Um, you know, I have to ask you personally, how, how are you doing in terms of, you know, your spiritual, mental, physical, emotional well-being and, and what encouragement and or advice would you give those that are possibly listening today? Yeah, I mean, these times are very, very unique and a little crazy. I mean, with everything that's going on with COVID-19, coronavirus, and then a lot of the injustices that black and brown people are experiencing around the nation, it, it is a difficult time to keep yourself mentally you know, sane and to try to stay positive. But what I find is when there's so many things in life that are not in our control that we can't control by focusing on the areas in our lives or the things that we physically can control, that is what's going to give you the peace. That's what's going to make you feel better. And I find that with me, what I tried to do is I'm very routine oriented. I have a set routine that I do every single day. 
And because of that, I feel so great because of the fact that I know what's going to happen because I put that in place. But in addition to that, what I would recommend that people do is try to wake up an hour earlier than you're currently waking up and try to incorporate some exercise and being active into your daily life. Because if you can do that, if you can start your day off with a sweat, with feeling good, I guarantee you that the rest of your day, whether you're at work or you're at school, whatever you have for the rest of your day, you're going to be that much more mentally clear. You're going to be able to focus better and you're going to be able to contribute at a higher level because that activity is really going to push you. So if I could give somebody just small advice who's trying to kind of figure out what to do during these times, wake up an hour earlier and make sure you get a workout in in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so important to... um you know, really focused on your well-being, physically, mentally, spiritually. Um, oftentimes, you know, people they go in the other direction um, at times as these when they rather when they should be focusing on, um, you know, all those things as you said um, that will propel them forward uh, in the end. So, you know, Danielle, um, you know, a lot of individuals are forced to pivot in some areas of their lives where they didn't anticipate. Um, some jobs that are that are gone away, um, there will no longer be. They're 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 gone forever, and so um, after playing tennis professionally for nearly twelve years, what was sort of you know the conditions and your mindsets, and how did you deal with um, you know your early retirement from tennis? Yeah. So just to be fully transparent with you, I absolutely retired on impulse. So it was a little bit of a scary situation. Um, I had lost a match against some some girls that I really didn't think that I was going to lose to or didn't believe that I should lose to. And I was already at a place in my life where um, I my body was breaking down and it was tough. So I knew like, I'm probably going to be retiring soon. Nobody else knew about it, but I knew about it. And when I did decide to retire on impulse, there was a couple moments and I would say a day or two where I was kind of unsure of what my next move would be or what the next steps would look like because nothing in my life had ever been anything different other than playing tennis. So it wasn't until, you know, my aunt who's an extremely successful real estate agent in Jacksonville, Florida named Sharon Mills, like we are very similar personality. We have a lot of similar traits. So when I retired, the first thing I got into was real estate I took my real estate test like a week later, I mean the course like a week later and then give it a couple weeks and I was already a realtor like that quick after retiring. So what I would recommend to somebody who's having to pivot or who's having to make an adjustment quick is trust your skill sets, trust the tangible things that you're doing right now in the job that you have and say, what other jobs or things can I do where these skill sets would be transferring nicely? Because a lot of times, you could be very successful in a role, and if they eliminate that role or they make an adjustment or they furlough people, you still have those skill sets and you're still a huge asset to other companies. So just always remember you are the value. You have the value and you can make an adjustment. You just have to have the mindset of somebody who's open to something new and not be too caught up on, oh, my current job is gone. No, you have to be thinking about what's next. Yeah, absolutely. So, so looking back, you know, while you were playing, um, were your ambitions always kind of set on um, owning your own business? What what was the preparation, if you will, um, prior to retiring that sort of led you down the path of entrepreneurship? 
Yeah, it's funny. Um, ever since I was really young, I would say like between the ages of 11 and 13, I'd always tell myself that I want to own my own business. I never want to have to work for somebody else. And I would say these things out loud and it's like people would look at me a little crazy, but you know, I was really fortunate that my own parents being very, very successful entrepreneurs, I saw what that was able to, to give them. I saw the flexibility that they were able to have with my own career to be able to leave their business because it was able to run without them and travel with me all over the world and commit to me and to my success. So I knew, you know, as an adult, as you know, if I retired from tennis, that I wanted to have my own business because I saw the benefits of it. But I absolutely understand that to be a successful business owner, it's not easy and it takes a ton of work. And to get to the point where my parents were, it's good. It takes a ton of work to get there. So, and I'm somebody that, you know, as an athlete, we understand if you put in the work, you, you practice like crazy, you're going to get the result that you want. Well, I feel like the same thing applies to owning your own business. So to answer your question, yes, I always knew I wanted my own business, but I didn't necessarily know what it was going to be about or what that looked like. So that all kind of right. came after retiring. All right. Absolutely. So, so, so what was, again, you said that, um, you know, one of the things you first did within two weeks, you you took your real estate license and and uh, ultimately passed. Um, so so prior to that, what, what were your motivations or your conditions that led you other than your aunt? Was that your only motivation uh, for obtaining your real estate business or what, what else did you see happening as a result of uh, going into real estate? I would say that that was like 80 percent of the reason why I got into real estate, because I kind of had that oh crap moment. Like, oh, I'm retiring. Oh my gosh, what do I do now? Oh wow. I'm really like my aunt. I'm very similar to her from a personality standpoint. She's doing so well. She's very successful. She's working with million dollar, you know, home buyers. Maybe let's, let me get into that. And that's, that's a hundred percent my thought process at that time. I also knew that real estate was a very, you know, no matter what, if you have your real estate license, it's always a positive and you could always keep that forever. And it's something that's going to be, you know, a great tool to have in your, you know, tool belt. So I got into it and I really enjoyed it, but I realized that it wasn't my true passion. I realized that once I got into it and I was ingrained in it, I said, you know, I like this, but this is not what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. So I still have my license. I'm still active. I still work on referrals or some, you know, small, you know, some situations where maybe I, you know, help out a friend, but that's not my true passion. And then I realized my passion is helping people achieve their potential and helping people reach that potential. And that's where I kind of shifted and started thinking about Headstrong, my business. Right. Absolutely. So I think that's so important that you said you realized um, that that wasn't your true passion. So, so would you say it's important to recognize um, the why is so important um, than anything else going into any venture, the why, the big why? What would you speak to that? Oh, absolutely. Your why is the most important thing in your life because that is what gets you up every day. That is what's going to push you through those days where you don't feel like putting in the work. Your why, you almost need to have it written down and in a place of view where you can see it every day. So I would say anybody who's listening on here, if you haven't discovered your true passion, what I like to do as an exercise is I, I tell people who are like, I don't know what I want to do. And I say, if you could be doing one thing every single day for the rest of your life and money was not an issue for you, what would that one thing be? What would you be doing? And a lot of times at that point, they're able to determine 
what is their passion? Because a lot of people are in roles or working jobs that maybe pay well, or, you know, they pay, it pays the bills, but it's not exciting. It doesn't get them up in the morning. They're not passionate about it. So it's important to discover your passion because that is the true to unlocking, you know, true happiness in life. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that, that I speak of is that, you know, in a time where it it seems as though, um, more people are focused on self-interest and chasing the dollar. And I always say that spend time chasing your purpose rather than the dollar. Spend time chasing the value. What is the value that you're going to bring? What is the one thing, as you spoke to, that that you would do absolutely for free if you could? And then find out how to monetize that. Um, But if you chase your purpose, if you focus on your value, then the money typically will come because what I found out is that, um, you know, money is just a byproduct of the value that you bring. And so we should be focusing on, again, as you, as you articulated, is focusing on why, your purpose, uh, and the value that you bring. Absolutely. So I, I would ask you, what are, what are the biggest mistakes um, in business um, that you made to include your retirement um, from tennis, and and what did it teach you? Yeah, so the biggest mistake I made from my from like my retirement standpoint was doing it on impulse. I I sometimes look back and regret on the way that I retired, the way I left the sport, because this was something that I had been doing for so many years, and to just kind of on impulse decide that I'm no longer going to play anymore that probably wasn't the most logical decision to make. I mean, now after the fact, I look at it like a blessing because it was a way for me to kind of jumpstart my jumpstart my way into being a business owner and understanding what that whole skill set and muscle is like. But, you know, I would tell somebody who is maybe thinking about changing their role or making an adjustment, what I would highly recommend doing is before you decide to make that jump or before you decide to pivot, make sure you've done your research and make sure that you're already in talks with where you're going with, with what you're going to do next so that you're not in a place of being uncertain about the future versus you want to make a move once you are kind of certain about the future. That's kind of the advice I would give to somebody who is thinking about potentially leaving a leaving a role or making an adjustment. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so if I could peel back another layer of Danielle and, and ask, what's been your number one superpower, if you will, um, share with us, you know, your secret sauce, if you will, or your successful mindset hat, hacks that, that you usually tap into during difficult or challenging times? Yeah. So basically my secret sauce is that from a very young age, I was not allowed to complain. I was not allowed to make excuses. So I had to look at every single problem that I was faced with or obstacle that I was faced with and attack it in one of two ways. I was not allowed to focus on what was not in my control. And that's something that too many people do is they are venting about their long day at work that was bad, or they're complaining about, you know, somebody that they're in a fight with, or, you know, there's just so many times that people are focusing their energy on things that are absolutely not in their control. So what I do 
And this is something I've been doing for years, but I only realize it now that it is something that is not happening with most people is if something does come up or something arises, I immediately ask myself, is this in my control or is this not in my control? If it is in my control, I immediately start planning out what are the steps to rectify it? What are the steps to fix it? And then I have a plan. If it's not in my control, I look at it, but I don't allow myself to spend any time or energy on it. So it doesn't, it no longer has any weight over me. And just by doing that, that has been my secret sauce in life because while people are worrying, complaining, making excuses, and they're using that energy, I never let any of those things happen. So I'm able to move through those things so fast and I'm already onto the solution or on to fix it. So that'd be the one thing that I would encourage people to start doing when they start experiencing themselves come out of their, like they start experiencing negativity and things coming out of their mouth, take a step back and say, whoa, 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 before I actually say this out loud, can I control this or can I not control it? Okay. If I can't control it, there's no point in me speaking about it. I need to address what's in my control. That's my secret sauce. Oh, absolutely. That is so very powerful, Danielle. Um, if, If more people would just recognize and accept the fact at times um, that that there's all there always will be a circle of influence and circle and a circle of concern. Uh, and, and the reality of it is, most of our circle of influence will be much smaller than our circle of concern. Mm-hmm. But if we fo- but if we focus on our circle of influence, as you said, that would allow us to focus on the things that we can directly impact at that very moment, at that very day, to in some way. Uh, and some point in time have a greater influence or impact. But at that moment in time, it's so very critical and, and, and vital that you simply learn to focus on your circle of influence versus your circle of concern. Because the fact that the matter is we all want to change the world if we could, right? If we mm-hmm. could just wave a wand and ch- start changing all these things, we, we, we very well would. However, um, the, the reality is we, we're not able to do that. So if we focus on our circle of concern would, would uh, mean all the much greater in the end uh, from, a, from a mental perspective, if, not, if nothing else. So, Danielle, what, what would you say um, to that person that's been sort of battling these limiting beliefs and, and wanting to shift from where they are uh, in their life somehow? But, consi- but but somehow they consistently come up with these excuses on why they can't get beyond where they are because of this fear thing that they deal with. Yeah. So basically what that person has to do is to figure out what their true goals are and they have to map it out. Too many times people set this massive goal for themselves and then they immediately give up or stop trying because they have a roadblock or an obstacle and then they just completely give up. What we have to do is when we do set a goal, we need to actually set the smaller, smaller tangible things that you can do each day to help reach that goal. And what that person needs is to experience some small wins. They need to be able to experience what it's like to do something right for two to three days in a row. And then those small wins will add up and then they will be that much closer to that ultimate goal. But the biggest thing that I see that people do is they give up 
or they let themselves down or they let other people down. And then that just spirals them down even more because they can't prove to themselves that they can even do what they're saying that they're doing. But by, like I'm saying, the small wins that they can do every single day, that's where they start to gain the confidence in themselves because they have a track record now of doing little things that are adding up. And those small inches ultimately can get them to that goal. Absolutely. I, I truly believe that sometimes, you know, we simply have to focus on celebrating the small victories at times. Yes. Um, it's the small victories. So, Danielle, from a from a headstrong corporate perspective, what has been some of your biggest challenges in terms of scaling your business and, and what is it that sets um, Headstrong apart from so many others? Yeah, so I'd say the biggest challenge that, that Headstrong is experiencing right now is that so much of the clientele and the people that I work with are female. And I think there's a huge opportunity to work with a lot of different men out there. But the issue is a lot of men don't feel comfortable admitting that they may have an issue along the lines of their confidence or their negative self-talk or their beliefs, because by doing that, it's almost like they're admitting failure when really by admitting that and actually working with someone that can help them unlock their potential, they will have much better results. So I think to scale headstrong to the next level, I think more men need to realize that this is a great area that can be improved and they need to maximize and take advantage of somebody like myself with this business who can truly help them reach that potential. So that would be the biggest obstacle right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, so Danielle, let's talk a little bit about your book. Um, what were your inspiration for writing the book, uh, How to Master LinkedIn and Separate Yourself from the Masses? So with Headstrong, there's a facet within the business that is completely focused on career development, LinkedIn, interviewing, and resumes. And what I noticed was I started doing a lot of consulting around LinkedIn because I had started gaining a pretty big presence on there. And I was kind of over my dad's house right before the pandemic started. It was his birthday, so we were celebrating. And I was telling him about some of the people I was consulting and what I was doing. And this is just when COVID-19 began and it started becoming a real thing. This was like towards the end of March. And he told me, he said, you know, Danielle, you really need to write a book about this because I think based off of the timing of what's going on right now and the fact that you've been doing this, you need to have a quick and easy way for people to pick up this book and immediately get actionable things that they can do to help get a better job or pivot because maybe they've been furloughed or laid off. And it's crazy because I had always envisioned myself writing a book. And I saw that for myself in the next couple of years being more of like an autobiography or my life story or kind of all of that. And I didn't think, you know, to write something earlier about a specific thing, but it was really the guidance of my, of my father to really push me to do it. And I was able to write it within a month and get it out there quick. And that was the key thing is quick because it's essentially the perfect resource for somebody who is looking for something new or is looking to how they can brand themselves on LinkedIn. And, and that's really what it all came down to. That's, that was the inspiration. Absolutely. I think it's a, I think it's a powerful book, a powerful title, uh, being that, you know, everyone that, uh, decides to, uh, you know, develop a, a LinkedIn account of some sort, it's very intentional. There's a reason. <laughs> There's a reasoning behind um, 
you know, utilizing the platform. And unfortunately, you know, not everyone understands the platform or how to maximize or leverage it in a way. So I think that's an awesome book. And I think it, I think it will uh, serve a lot of people very well um, when they master how to, how to utilize the, the platform within itself. So what, what are some of the biggest mistakes or misconceptions you would see um, from other professional athletes making that move or exiting their particular sport? Um, something that I, that a big misconception that people have when a retired athlete or when an athlete decides to retire is that they assume that there are, there's all these opportunities that are just waiting for them and that there's just all this money just sitting there. And, and really what it comes down to is as an athlete that is going to retire, you're typically retiring two different ways. The first way is you're retiring at the top of your game and you're at the epitome of success and you realize that you actually just want to move on from the sport. That's actually very rare. Most athletes that retire are retiring because they're either kind of not able to do what they once could do or they're not getting contracts renewed or, or teams are not picking them up or, you know, that's more common, a reason that people are retiring. So it's a misconception that, you know, this athlete that's retiring has all this stuff that's going for them. But what I would recommend that athletes do is while they're still playing the sport, while they're still involved in those arenas, make those connections and network your butt off because you want to basically be networking while you're still playing and while you're kind of towards the end of your career so that when you do retire, that is where those doors are going to open for you. And that's where people can see who you are, how you speak, your work ethic, what you do beyond what you've done on the field or on the court, but in, in business and, and in life. So I would say to just really emphasize the power of networking and leveraging your connections so that when you do retire, you have opportunities. Yes, Daniel, I think that's so powerful, um, understanding the value of networking. Yeah. Um, if more would just do that. Um, and, and it's sort of, I look at networking as sort of building a bridge to your future um, and, and not knowing when you will, will have to cross that bridge, but it's time spent building that bridge nonetheless. That's so very powerful. So a huge part of this show, Danielle, is about positive winning mindsets and about being resilient, about demonstrating mental toughness and, you know, learning to face adversities while, you know, sort of continue to lead and, li and live and win and fulfill our dreams. And so, you know, one of the things that, that we look for is guests that we really believe that embodies what we want this show to be about. And you truly are, are one that, that, that embodies what this show is all about. What would you say, um, and some of the is some of the best approaches, if you will, to building that inner resiliency that you have. I think that you really need to know your morals and your values, and you can't adjust them for anybody. I think that making sure that your character is strong, then people will automatically be able to trust you, depend on you, lean on you, and that is ultimately going to give you the, the strength to be resilient because as a resilient person, you have to be ready to deal with the constant change, the adversity, you know, things that come up. And if you are very solid and very confident in your beliefs, in your morals and your character, you will be able to get through anything and you'll be extremely resilient. So I would say to everybody listening to be really 
really careful and truly decide what are your values? What are your beliefs? What do you stand for? Because that ultimately goes with you everywhere. Absolutely. So Danielle, we're in that segment of the show that we call Hot Seat Topics. Uh, and, and there are some topics that we asked our guests, some of those hot topics, some random questions that some of our guests would would, um, uh, would like to know. Um, so one of them is, if, if you could turn back the time and talk to that 17-year-old self, what would you say to her? My 17-year-old self, I would tell her to stop comparing yourself to everybody else. You're on your wow. own path. Everybody's success is different than yours. Don't think that because you're not where you want to be or you haven't done what somebody else has done that you're any less than them. Focus on your own journey, your own path. Everybody has everybody has their own timing. And I think as a young person, people are so caught up especially with social media on comparison. And the comparison yeah. is like the thief of the thief of all joy. It's like be, be happy for people and where they are, but understand that you're on your own path. So trust that path and just continue to move forward. That is so awesome, Danielle. Comparison is the thief of all joy. I, I'm going to have to steal that one. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, what's something uh, people seem to misunderstand about Danielle? People always think that I'm just so happy all the time, so positive all the time, that I never have a bad day, that I'm never upset, that I'm never sad. And that's not true. I experience all of the same emotions that everybody else does. I just react to them differently. And I just mm. allow myself to be in those spaces differently. I don't allow myself to sit in negativity for very long or be sad or be upset because like I talked about earlier, especially if it's not something that's in my control, I can't allow myself to be in that space because it doesn't do me any good. But of course, if something happens, somebody passes away, I have, I have emotions and feelings just like everybody else, but I truly lean on the fact that I look at life glass half full and I know that that is the way to be to get what you want. So I really stress that, but I'm human. I'm, I have emotions like everybody else. Wow. Absolutely. So what is the current professional development book you're reading or what would you recommend? So I'm almost done with this one right now and it's really, really good. I highly recommend it for everybody on here. It's called Never Split the Difference and it's by Chris Voss, who is actually a former FBI hostage negotiator. And basically the whole book is around how to negotiate in all areas of your life and the power of communication and I think that doesn't matter if you are a working person, a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, an employee, in every area of your life, negotiation comes up and it just truly arms you with the tools that you need to really be successful at that. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, I'm going to have to order that tonight. Never split the difference. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> so what, what is your biggest failure? And, and again, getting back to what your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Uh, my biggest failure, I would say now, like looking back, was not having the true confidence and belief in myself when I was playing professional tennis. Cer certain times I would be playing against certain opponents that were better than me ranking wise or had or were perceived to be better because they may have had different agents or sponsorships and things. And during certain moments of those matches where I may have had the opportunity to win 
my mind actually let me down and I and I doubted myself and I didn't have that confidence and belief to win. And it wasn't until retiring and truly being around, you know, normal people who didn't have the opportunity to play professional sports that I realized that my confidence and my strength and my belief in myself is like my biggest factor. And I just wish going back that I could have had more of it back then when it really kind of mattered. So I was definitely successful, but I felt like I could have reached a different level had I had that type of confidence back then. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So my last question would be, what makes you feel inspired or like being your best self? Truly, what makes me feel inspired and like my best self is living in Miami. I love it here. The weather is incredible. I get so much life out of going out of my balcony of my condo and looking at the sky and seeing a blue sky with amazing weather and just being surrounded by so much life and so much energy. That for me is the best. I mean, it, no matter where I am, I try to pull that, but I feel like by living here and being being here for the past seven years, I truly feel like I've been able to reach levels that I may not have been able to reach just by way of the energy from this city and being in this beautiful place. That's awesome. You, you almost want to make me jump on a plane right now tonight. <laughs> yeah. No, Miami is incredible. You have to come. So, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, so before we go, Danielle, how can people connect with you in some of the things you're doing either online or through social media? Yeah. So for me, the best thing for everybody to do, if you want to connect with me, is just to search for me on all social media platforms. It's just Danielle Mills. I pop up on everything. But what I absolutely want you guys to do is to subscribe to my podcast, the Headstrong Podcast. And it is my pride and joy right now. And basically, it's a motivational and inspiring podcast that helps people kind of push through obstacles that they're experiencing. And I have new episodes that come out every single Monday. And you can kind of search for that on all different podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, or wherever you can listen to podcasts. But please connect with me, please, especially like on LinkedIn and, and on all social media platforms. I'd love to, to engage with you. And I really appreciate this opportunity. That's awesome, Danielle. And uh, we definitely will be looking for you out on your social media platforms. And uh, hey, please, by all means, circle back around and, and, and come back and join us at any time. And so, oh, thank you. Absolutely. So thanks again for joining us today. And again, it certainly has been uh, all my pleasure. And again, please come back again soon. Thank you. I'd love to come back and be with you all again. Thanks so much. This has been great. Absolutely. So thanks everyone for staying with us. And certainly we hope you enjoyed this episode. So make sure you join our Facebook group out front with Vince Noble. And don't forget to comment, rate, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcast. Also, stay tuned for next week's episode, Power Talks with Vince Noble, and it's learning to protect your energy. You don't want to miss this episode. Until then, remember, you still get to write your life stories.